Welcome to the Bicycle Touring Pro Podcast. My name is Sam. I'm super excited to bring you today's episode with Marco and Aurelie from 421 Adventure. Marco and Aurelie are great friends and are incredibly inspirational to me and I'm sure will be to you as well. They've been traveling the world by bike for years now, which is crazy, um, but they're doing it all for a really great cause and they're going to tell you all about their adventures and the joys and challenges of this lifestyle. Uh, so I can't wait for you to uh, listen to them. Before we get there, the Bicycle Touring Pro podcast is brought to you by the Bicycle Touring Pro store at biketourshop.com or bicycletouringpro.com. Your support of the BCP store helps keep the podcast and website running. We've got books, Ortley products, and all kinds of great gifts um, for anyone in your life. Um, plus, you can use the code PODCAST for 10% off uh, your purchase. So please check that out. And again, thank you for supporting uh, our store. Uh, and finally, please consider subscribing and leaving a review for the Bicycle Touring Pro podcast uh, to help others find the show. And without further ado, my conversation with Marco and Arlie from 421. All right, I'm here with Marco and Arlie from 421 Adventure, and I'm going to tell the people that are listening what happened. We had started this conversation, and then I realized like 10 minutes in that I forgot to record. So we're going to try to do this again. Um, but thank you guys so much for for joining us. Can you tell me, first of all, introduce yourselves. And normally when I you know start these conversations, it's, you know, how has the last couple of months been? Um, you know, how's the adjustment to being on the road? But you guys have been on the road for years, literally. So tell me who you are and where you are and how long you've been you've been out on the road hello sam and hello to everybody who's uh, uh, listening to us uh we're very happy to be here it's an honor yes <laughs> um my name is aurelie i'm french and marco is italian and uh, we've been on so we started our trip in 2018 it was supposed to be like a year a year and a half adventure and now we are in 2020 uh, and now we are in 2022 and we're still on the saddle um, we started in Helsinki in Northern Europe and we cycled all the way down to Thailand in Southeast Asia. Uh, it took us two years to cycle this uh, without any train, planes or bus, everything by bicycle. And it was about 29,000 kilometers. And then, like many other cyclists and people in the world, the COVID hit us too. So we waited in Thailand a few months, um, waiting if the border with Malaysia were, was going to open again, and it didn't. So at some point, we decided to go back to Europe and see family and friends, because at that point, we had the idea to keep on cycling, and we had to tell them that we're not coming back to Europe. So we visited them by bicycle, of course. And at some point last year, the world started to open again, and especially South America. And we said, okay, let's do from South America to North America then. So here we are now uh, in South America, in Chile, to be exact. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, it's an incredible journey, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk more about it. I'm looking at the map on your website right now as we talk, and I recommend, recommend that those who are listening check it out because you've tracked in, in a way that anyone can, you know, can, can see and, and analyze, you know, the entire route. And then you've, you've got little dots on every single place, basically, that you've started. 
shop. And so it's a really cool way for people who are interested in doing a trip like this to see, you know, every, basically every night for the last couple of years, almost, right? Places that you've stayed and some of them have notes on, you know, I'm looking at this one, sleeping in a very quiet monastery, you know, and no police is going to kick you out, right? Just fun little notes on, I'm sure maybe you remember that or maybe you don't, right? But cool. oh yeah, you remember that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a really cool way to, to track the journey. And it's also really cool for others, those that are listening to, to take a look and you know see all the incredible places that you've been and and, and just follow follow along was really cool so it'll be a there's be a link in the notes and i encourage you to take a look but before we uh, before we get into you know more details about the trip i want to talk about 421 adventure which is what you were called and what you know people can follow you on instagram and the website so i want to hear about how that got started what it means <laughs> and kind of what, what what you all are are doing this for outside of just fun and adventure so so basically, as you said, we didn't just want to have fun. I mean, we didn't want our trip just to be about us and about eating and sleeping in cool places and stuff like that. And uh, when we were back home working uh, like mad to save for this trip, we actually realized that we weren't, uh, well, we didn't have any time to help others, basically. Uh, so at one point we realized that, wow, now we're going to be off work for like a year and a half. We're going to have loads of time. So let's try and do exactly that. So we uh, we looked up loads of uh, NGOs. We We did some interviews with them. It actually got, we actually uh, trimmed it down to two. Finally, we realized we couldn't choose just one, so we decided to help both of them. So we're actually fundraising for two uh, NGOs. They are both doing incredible work, always related with the bicycle. Wow. For, for us, it was really important. For, for us, it was really, really important that this would have to be something bicycle related mm-hmm. because we just believe in bicycles, like really, really, yeah. really deeply. We just think that uh, the more bicycles there are in the world, kind of better living condition there would be for mm-hmm. everyone for different reasons. I mean, as you know, um, a lot of people use the bike to commute. A lot of people use the bike just for fun. Um and then suddenly you start realizing that in a lot of countries, the bicycles is just like a very important tool. Like it's the difference or it can be the difference between being socially or economically active or not. It opens um, up mobility for a lot of people, right? Who might exactly, otherwise not have it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in some countries, uh, for example, we, we know we've seen that having the bicycle mean going to work or going to school or not, which, you know, is huge. Like, I, I don't have a bicycle, I can't go to school. That's, you know, for us Westerners, that's just mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, or, for example, which is what the other NGO is all about, is uh, giving people more freedom uh, thanks to the bicycle. We're talking about people who have, for example, a, um, a physical handicap. So they don't do any sport. They rely on others to do everything, you know, to do the, do the grocery, to go to the doctors, etc. And what this association does is show people that thanks to the use of the bicycle, they can actually do a lot more and they can be totally independent and they can be a lot fitter and they can be, of course, happier. That's awesome. So we needed, we needed a name to be known on social medias and our website and our YouTube channel. So we decided for to one adventure. First, we decided numbers because every country we go in, at least we learn the numbers in yeah. that language. That's and it's cool. an easy way to, yeah, to, to remember the name. So four 
means four wheels, two means two hearts, and one means one word. Four <laughs> wheels, two hearts, one word, and adventure because we love adventure. And uh, yeah. Well, this is definitely an adventure. <laughs> That's also awesome. awesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and before we continue to, for people who are listening, where can they go to support you or learn more about kind of the, the organizations that you're, you're working with? Yeah, there's a special section on our website, 41adventure.com slash donate. And there you have all the information about these two amazing associations and a link to support us in any way you can. And if you can't help us and you want to spread the word about what we're doing, <laughs> just go ahead. Yep, absolutely. Send a send a note or uh, or share the share the good word. That's awesome. So now I want to talk, you know, more about your trip. So you guys started all the way in. You just start in Helsinki. Did you say, did you say to to start yes. off years ago? It was so long ago now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> I know yeah. and then you went south through through Eastern Europe, right? So kind of tell me about that first that first leg of the trip. First of all, like kind of how you are you plan the route, how you decide where you're going to go, and then you know any any particularly memorable moments or experiences from I guess the European leg of the yeah. of the first trip. Um we were living in Barcelona. Um Love and Barcelona. working there. Yeah. yeah. Amazing city. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we were I mean we got married and we were working and then people are like when are you gonna have a baby and <laughs> when are you gonna buy a house? And we never felt like we were in, into these boxes and we saw a documentary one day of a guy cycling from uh, Madrid to India for charity also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this guy really inspired us. He was a really normal guy working uh, in Madrid. And um, we saw the documentary and we said, why Why can't we do it too? Like yeah. He's not super physically trained. And um, why should we wait to for retirement to do it? Like we know a lot of people who have passed away before getting retired that they have dreams and then they just cannot do them. And we said, okay, let's save some money, work hard and do this now that we are young and that we want to do it now. It's just a year at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So we talked to our families, explained everything, and we said, okay, let's uh, set off. And we decided to do like all Northern and Eastern Europe because we are from France, from Italy. We were living in Spain, so we knew Western Europe. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to cycle in no a known environment. Yeah. So we decided to go there and we start we did it we did Finland, Russia and then all Eastern Europe. Um, I think what surprised us most is that people helped us on the way. An, uh, an example is that we were in Poland um, having a break in a small village and we wanted to have a coffee. Yeah, we just stopped for like, you know, just one of those like 10, 20 minutes breaks on the mm-hmm. road. Let's just have a snack. Kind of. And uh, the, we were uh, in outside a bank at the shade. In the shade. In the shade. And a woman from the bank uh, went out and we tried to communicate. It was really hard, like with gesture and... But the, the the funny thing is that in our Western mindset, we thought, ah, she's going to kick us out. You know, we're, we're like two yeah. dirty cyclists hanging out outside of a bank. She's just going to tell us to, you know, like leave. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, no, here here, here she comes. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And she offered us some coffee. She, I mean, she explained us, do you want a coffee? And we understood. And we said, okay, yeah, it would be nice. Thank you. Um, and then she said, do you want some milk? And we're like, yeah, if you have milk, you'll have some milk. <laughs> and at some point, she ran out of the bank. She just ran out of <laughs> To go to the supermarket yeah. and come back to buy milk because she didn't have milk. But she wanted to offer us milk. And we thought it was so thoughtful of her. And yeah. she didn't know us. We were stranger. We were not speaking the same language but she she's a human we are humans and yeah. she really wanted to help us in some way and this was just the beginning of many many nice experiences with people who help strangers and this is what we love about this trip maybe more than a beautiful landscapes is how human can help each other without knowing each other absolutely that's an incredible story and you know before that i was gonna you know comment on something you said that a anyone can do this and why not now you know why well, yeah. why, why wait right especially you know we've seen in the last couple of years how much things in the world can change on a dime with mm. COVID, right? All of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> one, one week, everything yeah. is normal. And the next week, everything is shut down and you can't go anywhere, right? So you never know what's going to happen. So if you want to yeah. do this, you know, go to go look up 421 Adventure and look at the route that Marco and Ari Lee took and then go to Bicycle Touring Pro and look at all the articles and the books on our website and then go do it. Right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. then let me know Absolutely. and we'll have you on the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for, for, fully enough, two things. Uh, number one, that I, when we first um, got in contact with you guys was actually in 2017 because we were looking for bikes. Yeah. And I actually remember writing a mail and you told me about the book. It was, yeah, I mean, I, I must have spent hours on that book, just like <laughs> looking through all of the models and, and, and looking them up online to see how much they were in Spain. And many of them weren't available in Spain. But I mean, one of the reasons why we got the bikes that we got, which we love, by the way, is, yeah, it's thanks to. That's to great. Help. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, so that's, cool. that's the essential guide to touring bicycles. And yeah. <laughs> I will put a link <laughs> to it as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, no, th thank you. I'm, no, I'm glad amazing. that you figured something out. No, what what yeah. just while we're on that tell me a little about the, the yeah. bikes and and the gear that you have and um you know that's has that lasted you for you know this long time have you had any issues or changes or tell folks a little bit about kind of what what you ride and how that's worked for you we've got uh genesis uh, through the fair and i mean we just love them i mean we just there's no reason why we shouldn't love them they're they're really strong they're really stable they ride really well they're super comfortable like we haven't had any any issue with our you know with our health well mm -hmm. at least not related to the bicycle and to the riding position in four and a half years i think they even look good <laughs> they come with they go they come well like equipped i mean basically apart from you know maintenance and we had an extra bike, uh, an extra um, carrier at the front. Mm -hmm. Apart from that, I mean, we, we haven't done anything major to them. They're just, they're just still going strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people, people totally flip out when we, they asked us how many bikes have you changed? We say, yeah. no, no, that's still like the same one. That's, you know, it's incredible. Probably yeah, going through yeah, a lot yeah. of chains and stuff, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chains and tires. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's great. That's what you want, right? Yeah. yeah it's exactly. nice to not, yeah. not have to worry too much about, about that. Certainly. But Absolutely. one thing I was going to ask you too about is, you know, you've, you've gone, 
halfway around the world at this point, at, at least, right? And so I, I imagine climate has changed a lot, you know, in the different places that you've written. How do you deal with that going from, you know, Northern Europe, probably to riding through some some very hot deserts and other times? How do you how do you change, you know, the riding that you do? What's different about that from from a gear perspective, from just a mental perspective, you know, talk a little bit about, about weather and, and how you'd handle that. Yeah, uh, when it's summer, you want to be winter, and then when when it's winter, <laughs> you miss the summer. Uh, there's never one perfect day to cycle. There's always a wind or rain, or yeah, so it's difficult. We and try to enjoy every moment of it. First, we tried to cycle always in spring or summer conditions. That's why we headed to Turkey at the beginning to spend the winter there, and also in Iran. But there's actually actually a strong winter in Turkey, and we didn't know that. So <laughs> yeah, it's central. Who would have thought? I know, seriously, so cold, so so cold. Yeah. So we didn't have the right gear, uh, especially in terms of sleeping bags. <clears throat> but the good thing about Turkey, Iran, and Central Asia, they are very hospitable countries. It's in their culture, in their religion. So we never, we barely slept outside. There's always a mosque open or people will host you. So that's also the amazing thing, yeah. thing about um, humanity. Um, but now that we are doing like from South to North America and we won't be able to escape from uh, cold temperatures or, or extreme heat, extreme mm-hmm. heat uh, we've decided to invest in a good sleeping bag and we can go until minus 15 degrees Celsius. I don't know how That's much great. it is in, in Fahrenheit. That's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is key because we know we can sleep anywhere, any temperature, mm-hmm. and we will be comfortable and we will be able to rest because if you sleep really like stressed, yeah. You don't relax your muscles and the following day is really complicated. Um, so this is key. Um, we also try not to carry too much gear. Um, so when the summer comes, uh, we send packages, parcels, um, all back to family and then they will send it back to us or we try to send it to a warm shower. I don't know if people know yeah. about the warm shower community. It's not only about hosting. They can also like receive parcels, this kind of thing. Any help they can do. Mm. But I think there's also two, two other very important aspects of cycling. The first one is that I always feel that when I'm on my bike, I am never neither too cold nor too hot. Hmm. I don't know, like when, when it's really hot, you kind of radiate, you know, with the air coming just like through and, and it, it helps you to cool you down. When it's too, when it's very cold, you kind of like warm up while pedaling. The, yeah. the, the real problem is when you stop, like for example, if it's, yeah. if there's a huge storm, then you need to think about where you're going to stop in, in, in order to be drained and change the moment you stop so you don't get cold, etc. And then the other thing, which is also really important is that when you're moving at this speed, which is it's actually quite slow. I mean, in, in a car in a day, you can easily do like 1,000 Ks. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a bike, it's normally about 80. Uh, I think you kind of get used more to like the local weather and to, mm-hmm. to changes in the climate. You know, it's not, it's it's really difficult to wake up one day and it's totally the different from day. the day before. Yeah. Exactly. So you kind of like get used to it. And like, I think that's, mm-hmm. also, that's also something really nice about cycling. Yeah. You said and something. In... I'm sorry. sorry. Go no, ahead. No. no, go ahead. I was going to change the subject, so go ahead. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, just yeah. To uh, on the the contrary, when it's summer and it gets really hot really early, like we were cycling in India, 
And at seven o'clock in the yeah. morning, it was 35 or 40 degrees. Uh, but this so was really extreme. Oh, yeah, crazy. my God. And you live. It feels like you're literally cooking. Like, I know. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so in summertime, we try to start cycling very early, mm-hmm. like seven, let's say, and stop at midday. And yeah. then you relax the rest of the day. Try to find a river where you, you can refresh. Or every season, you adapt your way of cycling and you adapt also the kilometers and yeah absolutely you said something about sleep and after man four years on the road (laughs) you must have kind of figured that out pretty well i imagine if you're still going at this point because that's an incredible i I think a really important part of being able to do this for the long term is figuring out how to sleep well right (laughs) because if you don't sleep well for four years you're just not going to make it right (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately so can you talk a little about your approach there you know was it challenging at first to get used to you know sleeping well on the road and kind of how have you adapted or any any secret tips for people who are trying to to get become better sleepers out on the road a, a tip we always uh, give people no matter what we're talking about when it comes to bike touring is always before you do a big tour make sure you've done like several of small ones yeah. before so that you learn because it's these kind of questions are really personal like what do you sleep what do you eat mm-hmm. what do you wear which which saddle do you use so we always say well test all of these things out before you leave like even if it's just a, a weekend trip, but at least uh, make sure that you like the pads that you're using, make sure that you like the, the saddle that you're using, you know. So maybe this is the first very important thing that we, we have to say. We, we did a lot of trips before leaving and they really helped us. By the time we left, we, we already knew our gear, we already knew what we were using. Uh, but you do have to learn a lot of things on the road. And as you said, like sleeping is very important, eating is very important, hygiene is very important. In every country, Water supply is like very different. Like in some countries, you can get drinking water from anywhere. Even even in the road, there's fountains which give you uh, drinkable water. Uh, in some countries, water is absolutely impossible to find. So in every country, like the first few days are always a bit challenging because okay, uh, where, where can we wash? You know, like in some places or at least it's possible to sleep in mosques, but it's also possible to wash in mosques because yeah. mosques will have like bathrooms, so you can just go there and wash and then either leave and go sleep somewhere else or, or stay there for the night. Um, but sorry, yeah, we're getting a bit sidetracked. Sleeping. Oh, that's okay. in terms of, yeah, <laughs> in terms of sleeping. Basically, we don't know where we're going to sleep until lunchtime for the wow. same day. Okay. And that's the best thing about bike touring. Like, you never know when you're going to sleep tonight. <laughs> no, that's interesting because, it, you know, you can approach it in different ways, right? And some people mm-hmm. are, are big planners, right? And they're going to know where they're going to sleep, you know, weeks or months in advance, right? But that's, <laughs> So that's interesting. So you guys, it's just day by day, you know, you kind of figure out on the road. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. But like I have some friends who tell me I really couldn't do this because I really need to know where I'm going to sleep tonight. And this is how I personally felt at the beginning. We had all bookings for one week, two weeks, (laughs) or at least when we went to bed at night, we knew more or less where we would be the night after. Mm -hmm. We would stay rather at someone's place, like warm shower or in a hotel or in a campsite. But then little by little, you learn how to leave like let go to let go and you also learn to wild camp and wild camp is a really nice thing to do because you're with the nature and you realize why should i pay in a campsite where there's noise actually normally there's a lot of noise and people and where i can do it for free in the nature 
respecting the environment, of course. And so we've learned how to do this. And we now prefer to not really know where we're going to sleep. And we decide day by day because you don't know what's going to happen. If it's going to be rainy, maybe you don't want to cycle. So all your plans the week that you have booked is gone. Also, in some countries, people are really nice. And it's just to go. You have to go with the flow. You meet so many people like you have feelings with people and you're like, okay, this person is offering me to stay at his place, but also maybe to visit his village village or teach me something so you're like okay I'll stay two two more days and enjoy the moment so yeah we we do book sometimes or when we know like maybe it's a touristic place or high season this kind of thing but really it's something that we've learned on the way no that's that's super cool and I think it's an interesting thing about maybe what's different on for you guys versus a lot of you know bicycle travelers or tourists is you know, sometimes I we, we I would call this like a trip, right? You guys are on the trip, but you guys have been living on you you are living. This is your life, right? You're living. You've been living on the road for four years, right? And so I think that approach, you know, kind of figuring out where you're going to be every day, it kind of reflects that, right? There's not necessarily a, a start and end date to this tour, right? You you at the beginning you had that where we're going to go and we're going to you know take a year or so, but again, four years later, you guys are still going, right? And so it, it, it's nice because it seems to be really adaptable right to what is what how you're feeling every day where you are every day right and so i think that's a really cool approach and i, I imagine it's also kind of fun sometimes <laughs> you know to yeah. figure out the puzzle of of what you're going to do every day so we've learned that um any duration of cycling trip is perfect is nice and will give you the same feeling a week cycling adventure or a year or two years, it will give you the same joy, happiness, challenges. So there's no, you, you can't think, ah, oh, they're doing this for four years. I just did six months. It's nothing. No, no, it's super great. It's yeah. nice. <laughs> Uh, the thing is that we thought we, it was going to be a year and a half. And little by little, we, we thought, okay, when is it, when is it actually the middle half of the trip? Yeah. <laughs> because then you start like to be a bit down and we say, Oh, we don't want to know. We don't want to be the, the half of it. And, uh, we also learned that when you cycle, you don't spend a lot of money. I mean, of course, you need to in invest in all the equipment and the bicycle and you need to pay for insurance, health insurance and visas and maintenance. But compared to um, sedentary life, it's really cheap. Yeah. So we at some point we realized we spent just half of what we have saved and we said, OK, so we could do it double the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at some point it's not sustainable. So we because you don't have more savings mm -hmm. and we found a way to work online while we cycle. Interesting. You tell me this at the beginning. I don't believe you. I mean, it's <laughs> just, <laughs> these are things that you learn on the way. And um, maybe you don't need to know them at the beginning. They just come towards yeah. you and you get the answer. Um, so we work on a, um, on a platform and we do translations. So they, they ask us because we have French, Italian, Spanish and English as languages. Yeah. And we do translations for everything. And um, so we managed with the computer to do this while we cycle. And what was yeah. supposed to be like a cycling adventure is now like a cycling lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's super cool. And I was going to, 
you know, I wasn't sure if I should bring that up or not, but you did. So let's do it. So, you know, I think a lot of people would be like, well, this is super cool, but like I have a job and, you know, <laughs> I can't just quit my job. How am I going to make money? Right. Like, how do you, how do, how do Marco and Arlie do this for four years? Right. You know, living on the road, not, you know, not having a normal nine to five job. Right. So can you talk a little about maybe the financial aspect of it and how you, how you figured that at the start, you know, planning and saving and kind of how maybe that's changed as you've gone these last couple of years? The, that's the question we get asked the most lately, like, yeah. how are you guys doing it? And, and in fact, we're, uh, we, we already started working like on a big article on our, uh, on our website, which will be dedicated to this, like how to save for a big trip or how to uh, travel and work at the same time. Um, so the, 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 the answer, sorry. So the answer is that at the beginning, we just saved a lot, maybe three years before we actually set off. So like in 2015, we started like really saving. Like we, we just stopped buying anything. Anything that wasn't trip related was just like, no. Yep. Um, it was just basically just food and like, uh, plane tickets to go and see family. Um, we also moved, for example, into a smaller, a much cheaper flat in Barcelona in order to save even more money, etc. Um, as Aurelie said, once on the road, you realize that uh, bike touring is a lot cheaper than what you expected. We, we used to, we used to travel for our holiday. We used to bike tour for our holiday and we would spend, for example, 50 euros per day in Europe. But once you're bike touring, you realize that you're not even spending 20. You know, it's like less than half price. And that's in Europe. By the time yeah, you get once you get Asia, out of Europe too, it's even yeah, cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Asia is, is crazy cheap. I mean, you, you I've got some bad news in... when you guys get to North America, but I'll let you figure that yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because by the time you get, by the time you get there, you guys will have worked it out. There you go. It yeah. Be like, yeah. It would be like an, eco- an economical paradise. <laughs> we're, we're doing our best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got time. Don't worry about it. Not, not <laughs> no. And then, um, yeah, so we were traveling for two years on our savings and we realized, yeah, this is great. And we, we would not have minded spent all the savings. But then we realized that that's also like a bit crazy. So we started looking at options. And actually, we met another uh, bike tourer who told us about a website, a platform. So we signed up for it. Um, at the beginning, you have to work for like very, very cheap, like very, very cheap. <laughs> And then little by little, you just that you get your your customers and you can um, put your rates up a little bit. And now we are more or less, not always, but we're managing to earn more or less the same that we spend. Yeah, so, yeah, so right now we're not actually touching our savings anymore. We're just uh, spending what we're earning. Um, it also depends. For example, a great example is that Argentina is a lot cheaper than Chile. Interesting. Because you're right across yeah. the border. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. So we, uh, so in Argentina, we were doing well. In Chile, we're spending a bit too much, but that, that's okay. You know, we know that we can, we can make it up or whatever. And it's, it's great. I mean, uh, again, it's, it's time. You know, uh, before we had very little time to, uh, to do the things that we really wanted to, like, for example, read or write. And now we have to dedicate more time, for example, to work. So uh, again, it's not, it's not ideal. It, it would be nice just to, 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 to work, to work, uh, for example, like one month a year or two months a year and then travel, for example, six. But we're, we can't do that. So we're dedicating a little bit of time every day or maybe a few yeah. hours a week and it's, it's getting and going. So it's good. That's great. It seems pretty sustainable where you guys are at right now, which is cool. And 
I, I think it also something that we say often is that the universe kind of finds a way, right? <laughs> like if you, mm, if you want to yeah. continue doing this, right. You didn't start off planning to, you know, work and be on the road this long, but you did and you enjoyed it and the universe found a way to make it sustainable for you. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think most people have some kind of skill, which can be yeah. expo- exploited either locally, like stopping in a place and working as an electrician, for example, or as a waiter. Yeah. or working online or, you know, some stuff. I think, I think most people could find a way to, to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And so there are some, oh, go ahead. I'm going to get some water. Oh, great. That's okay. We can Sorry. pause. We can take a break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so where are you actually from? I know you, you're living in uh, Ohio or, or Idaho. What's it called? Uh, Iowa. Iowa. That's yeah. it. Sorry. <laughs> but it's Sorry. funny because I've actually, I've lived in both Idaho and Ohio as well. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> but I'm okay. currently in Iowa. Okay. Yeah. I'm from here originally. So this is, this is my home state. I've been here for a couple of years now, but I'm hopefully going to be moving here somewhat, somewhat soon. Okay. But you guys will have to let me know when you get up here. Nah, for definitely. Sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 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 we'll see yeah, if absolutely. we can, we can meet up. Maybe I can ride with you guys for a couple of days. So that would be so cool. Do you have a route plan? through north america at this point you're not sure yet okay no absolutely no idea i mean um most people think we're just going to go up the west coast and i think that's like plan z or maybe plan w (laughs) i don't know i think it'll depend on the type of visa we'll get sure Uh, yeah yeah but ideally we would like to like do the southern pier Mm -hmm. then like go to cuba for a bit or cuba jamaica maybe i don't know we'll see then come back to the U.S., uh, cycle up the East Coast a little bit, go to like New York, etc. Then kind of like cycle in the center a little bit and then like come back up. I, I don't know, but I mean, every time I look at a map of the U.S., I'm like, man, we're going to be there for years. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You, I mean, you could spend a lot of time. So I, I think yeah. it's, it's probably right you're saying, depending on the kind of visa you can get. Uh, but there is certainly a lot of diversity in the U.S. and in places. But as as you probably know, and as a lot of people listening probably know it is going to be more expensive than unfortunately a lot of other countries which is unfortunate you know but yeah i mean there's a lot of beautiful geography a lot of nice people so you'll definitely have to let us know when when you get up here and we'll try to get together and i'm sure there are some listeners who would also love to ride with you guys and meet you so that would be really really fun (laughs) really really really. like every every time we ride with people we're so happy yeah (laughs) it feels it feels like another trip you know it feels like yeah absolutely it's great well, awesome. So I want to get back to kind of your route and a little bit more about maybe the first leg of, of your trip, if you could. So you obviously you started through Eastern Europe and then you went through the Middle East, Turkey, Iran. Talk to me about kind of the Central and Southern Asia, if you could. So you went through Iran and then I'm looking at the map, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan. Did you go through Afghanistan at all? Talk, talk, just talk me through the, the, the whole Southern, Southern Asia, Central Asia route. The, the first thing, sorry, I'm going to let Aurelie take this one, but the only yeah. thing I want to know is that that area is amazing. I mean, yeah. if you've never been there, either, either, either as a cyclist or, or like as, as a normal tourist, go to Central Asia. I mean, it's going to blow your mind. It's just so absolutely awesome for many reasons, which yeah. Aurelie is going to uh, describe. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't put any of these countries on a map. I mean, you heard about Stan. Yeah. Um, Afghanistan, Tajikistan, they all sound the same. And the good thing about cycling is that you learn a lot about geography. So it's really funny because we were in Iran and our goal at the time was to go to Nepal to endow some bicycles in an orphanage. 
And we wanted to go through all the stand and then China, Tibet and enter Nepal from there. And you can see that we are going all around Afghanistan. <laughs> Actually, <Yep. laughs> um, there's a famous road for cyclists in Tajikistan. It's called the Pamir Highway. Do the Pamir Highway. <laughs> <laughs> And the border between Tajikistan and Afghanistan is a big river. So when you cycle in Tajikistan, in the dirt road, by the way, you always see Afghanistan on the side. Mm. And sometimes so it's a really dry, barren valley. You know, it's like very most most of the year they have like incredibly cold temperatures and, and snow and a lot of rain and stuff like that. But sometimes you see green area, a lot of trees and vegetations because there's a river and they've built a village. And you see people there, you see a lot of women cleaning clothes in the river, you see children playing um, and they all wave at you. They see you and they're like, ah, hello, hello. <laughs> And you really, uh, we we really like this kind of culture, and we really wanted to go to Afghanistan to discover it and see it from our own eyes. This is also something that we learned that what we see on media's on the media's is so different from the reality. I mean, they show you always like the bad and all the catastrophes. Um, and we tried to get to Afghanistan. We wanted to ask for a visa, but it's actually really complicated to get there for safety reasons. The embassy won't let you go so easily. Yeah. And this was in 2019. And since then, like a year ago, uh, yeah, it's becoming even more, more complicated. complicated. Yeah. Um, so when we got to China, um, we understood that we couldn't cycle freely through Tibet. Mm -hmm. uh, it was possible like maybe 10 years ago, but now it's not. And if they catch you, worst case, um, they take you back to the border. No, uh, best case, best they case. take you back <laughs> to the border. Worst case, who knows what who knows? happens. Yeah. Yeah. Marco was really into that because we are 41 Adventure. <laughs> Come on, it's called 41 Adventure. It's not called... Four, two, one. Oh, let's take that route. It kind of looks like <laughs> And I told him I was not really feeling well <laughs> about this. And he said, okay, we won't do this. So there was Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan was not on our list, never. And India, <clears throat> neither. We didn't know a lot of things when we left home. One thing we knew is that we were not going to go to India. Interesting. But you did. Yeah, it's like, yes, <laughs> yes. Why? Yeah, yeah, Earlier you said something about the universe, and it's like, don't don't test the universe, man. <laughs> like, leave the universe alone. We're like, no, we'll never go to India. India's too dangerous. Like, cyclists to go to India, they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 changed? What what was the what was the decision behind behind ending up going? Yeah, so so we were stuck in China. We didn't know where to go and to go to Nepal, to this endowment. And we really wanted to do everything by bicycle and it was killing us to realize we had to take a plane somewhere from China or Central Asia to get to Nepal. Finally, at that time, Pakistan decided to give visas more easily. They wanted more tourism in their country and they, they gave the opportunity to get the visa online. 
because normally you need to go back to your country and go to the embassy. So they changed this and we were able to apply for it online. It was really more complicated than what I've just said. It was a really <laughs> difficult border. Uh, but finally, we made it to Pakistan. We loved and we hated it. It was a, a really challenging place in terms of culture and how things are. Um, the situations about women there is really hard to to see. Um, and then we cycled in India. We didn't want, didn't want it to, but to get to Nepal, we had to go through India. As I said before, it was really hot. Uh, there's a lot of poverty. It's very contaminated, industrial, really hot conditions. Um, but this is what we do. We, we don't want to skip the bad things, the difficult climbs, yeah. especially because it's a, a long-term cycling adventure. The bad moments are part of the adventure. So you need bad moments to appreciate the good ones even more. I think it's just impossible to like skip all, all of the bad moments or the ugly areas or the difficult roads or so this is why we always force ourselves to not take, for example, any public transport or rather, rather than hitchhike, for example, we prefer, uh, to go around, for example, a, a difficult place for whatever reason. I mean, I mean, as you said earlier, we, we live on the road, so we might as well take double the time yeah. to get to a place. For us, for us, it's the same. There's no difference there. And it's more rewarding too, maybe. <laughs> yeah, true. 100%. In fact, when we got, when we finally got to Nepal and uh, for the endowment, we got there a week before and for a week, we were just like, I mean, we were helping with the organization, etc. but we were just so shattered. I mean, by the time we got there, we just run, ran like a two months marathon and we've <laughs> lost like loads of weight and we, we were just, sick. Yeah. Thing, but, but it just made all of the endowment thing a lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot more rewarding. I mean, yeah. So tell me about that. What, what you talked about this orphanage and, and the endowment. So tell me what, what that is. Um, it's, um, it's actually an American girl who took a year out before going to college and she went to Nepal and she, I mean, she saw lots of like very hard things there and she decided just to, uh, just to move there and start helping people. So she convinced her parents to give her all of her college money hmm. and she founded this school. And, uh, little by little, little by little is grown into this amazing problem. Sorry. It's grown into this amazing project. And, um, and what? <laughs> and they, um, sorry. Yeah. And they have contact with 88 bikes, which is the, uh, the American association right. that we fundraise for. And yeah. And we just, uh, we just endowed, um, something like 40 bicycles there. Wow. Yeah. So the idea is that, um, a lot of girls, they're forced to leave school because it takes too long to get to school, basically. Mm -hmm. They live very far away and the family really needs them at home. So thanks to the bicycle, they get to school uh, quicker and a lot more safer, actually. So they, they can also stay in education. This is like the, the main idea behind it. It's, of course, a lot more complicated than this. So um, so anyway, we just uh, we got there. We, we helped with all the organization, with acquiring the bikes, with showing the people how to look after the bikes and it was just it was just great it was just really really incredible to see them receiving their bicycles and knowing that most of their lives will be better just because of like a 50 dollar bicycle yeah. you know it's but but they could have never ever ever 
have access to that kind of money. It's fifty dollar for for a poor Nepalese family is like a whole year's saving. So um, so it was just incredible. It was just really really odd. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and how yeah. were uh, how were the Himalayas? You said you got to Kathmandu and it was really you were really you were really tired. <laughs> uh, how, how, how were yeah. going through the mountains there? No, it's it's okay. Really, it's okay. It's um, <laughs> no, but I mean, for example, like for example, the Pamir is part of the Himalaya, and that was okay. We also cycled in the Karakorum, which is also part of the Himalaya, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was okay. The problem in Nepal and the problem with Kathmandu wasn't really the mountains. Okay. It was more like the human presence there. Sure. We got there during uh, the monsoon reason. Uh, sorry, we got there during the monsoon season. And slowly, all of the roads around Kathmandu, they close just because they get a lot of... Um, Landslides. They get a lot of landslides. Thank you. Yeah. And so little by little, all of the traffic is being rerouted on one road. Uh, so to get to Kathmandu, we had to cycle for like two and a half days on this incredibly dangerous road. <laughs> and it was just, oh man, it was just so bad. Because it was a really steep. First of all, it was a cycling challenge, but then it was between asphalt and dirt road. But when it was asphalt, there were a lot of holes on the uh-huh. road. Um, yeah. You cycle next to a cliff. Um, all of that we can handle. There's no <laughs> issue. But the problem is how people drive. Yeah. The smaller you are, the less important you are. So um, a car is more important than the bicycle, but the truck is more important than the car. And everybody overpasses everyone. The only one who are respected are the cows uh, in the middle of yep. the road, <laughs> more than cyclists. And uh, it was it was difficult. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. Yeah, it was really strict. Just, just to give you an idea, on this road, just a week before we passed uh, by, actually, uh, I think a bus fell in a cliff and like died or something like that. Yeah, 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 it's super dangerous. And it's it's normally not. It's normally okay because normally there's a lot less traffic. Yeah. But when we were on that road, it was just crazy. It was really, really, really crazy. But we finally made it and, and you get there and you're like, oh, okay. I'm glad, I'm glad you guys didn't fall off the cliff. Uh, it's yeah. <laughs> it's a good success. <laughs> so you went from... From Nepal through Southeast Asia, which was kind of the last leg of, of the first leg of the journey. Um, so talk to me a little about Southeast Asia and then eventually, you know, COVID hit. And um, yeah. 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 Before getting to Southeast Asia, we had to go back to India. Mm. And the first time we went to India, we didn't really enjoy it so much. So we thought, well, we have to do it. Let's just get over it. Uh, and finally, it was okay. Seriously. In, in fact, our, I think our blog or our video about that part of India is called Giving India a Second Chance. And we really liked the northeast part of India. It's just different. It's a, a lot more quieter. It's a lot less polluted. The culture is also very different. And um, it was like a nice uh, introduction to, to Southeast Asia. Because before before getting to Myanmar, which was the next country uh, on the way, we already got like a bit of taste of yeah, Southeast Asia. And it was really nice. Yeah, Southeast Asia was... Um, how to say? Um, in Southeast Asia, the countries are very different from each other. Uh-huh. So you've got uh, Myanmar, Laos, and Cambodia, which would be poor, I, I guess. And then Thailand and Vietnam, more modern. 
Um, so it was difficult for us to be in Myanmar because as a cyclist, um, you are supposed to stay in hotels made for foreigners. Mm, the thing is that those hotels are generally speaking 200 kilometers away from each other. Oh, wow. That we do 70k a day. So how <laughs> do you do? <laughs> Uh, so we had many challenges. We tried to stay in monasteries, but you're not supposed to stay in monasteries. According, it's a military government, and they're really into the population controlling whatever they do. Um, so anyone seeing us in a monastery would tell the police so that they behave well in front of the police authorities. They say, oh, "I saw foreigners." So. They also don't want to get into trouble. Like if the police ever realizes that foreigners had slept there the day before, they could get into serious trouble. Wow. And we're not talking about fines here. We're talking about, yeah. you know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, bad, bad stuff. But the yeah, monks, sorry. I was just saying, I'm looking through the, the list of places you stopped. Monastery, <laughs> monastery once again, monastery where government wants to kick you out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Monastery with a shower. That must have been a nice night. Oh, well, <laughs> Someone's yeah, store, yeah. monastery after five hours looking for a place to to sleep yeah that's that's tough <laughs> yeah yeah because you get to a place a monastery you try to get there without being seen mm-hmm. but after five minutes everyone is around and see you the monks want to help you they are it's in their religion yeah. and they want to help everyone so normally they would say yes but when they see us right away they say okay come 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 and try try to hide uh so in that case we're like okay we're trying we're starting to have a shower and change and set up the tents but at 10 or 11 o'clock the police came and uh well it was hard to speak in english but we understood that uh, we had to leave and they wanted to send us back by truck back to the city we came from the same morning so we say okay so we go back to where we were this morning but what happened tomorrow what happens tomorrow because tomorrow i will cycle again and i'll be back here so it's a never-ending story so um, they said yeah no you have to leave you have to leave we'll escort you so finally there was no negotiation and we had to leave pack again everything um when we left it was 11 at night and we had to cross a river on the <clears throat> boat but the boat is like a wooden it was just like a plank with an engine a raft yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was it was a bit nerve-wracking because again it was monsoon season the river was really high it was really fast it was like really muddy and uh, it was just super dangerous in the middle of the night we, no one could see anything you know yeah and then the a storm started to hit us and um, this was dangerous because there were thunderstorms and we said to the police there's no way we're going to continue it's too dangerous so we stopped in a small shop to wait for the rain to pass and at uh, one at night it was still raining and a lot um so finally the owner of the local shop tried to convince the policeman to tell them okay that's i mean that's it they can sleep here and so finally we we slept 500 meters away from the monastery where they kicked us out uh, it was very frustrating we were knackered and yeah so we slept in a room with a rooster <laughs> that was impossible to sleep oh man uh, the ne- uh, the next morning we got ready and uh, by the time we 
when we finally left the shop, the policeman was back mm. and wanted to escort us again. And uh, I was so tiring. And, Man. Yeah. And when we <laughs> I bet did you were excited our... to get, get into Thailand at that point. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, sometimes we were, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we got into Thailand and uh, it's the opposite. Everything is as far as you have a lot of infrastructures. Um, coffee shops everywhere, cheap food. I don't know. It's just the paradise. And we really recommend it as a first cycling destination because it's really easy, but you get adventure and you get um, different environment from where you live. But it's funny because at the end of Thailand, I think we preferred Myanmar for the adventure. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) It makes for good stories, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, Thailand is a great place to cycle. But it's also kind of like very neutral. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit like same thing. They see yeah. you, but there's no emotion or interaction. They are so used to tourism mm-hmm. that you're just one more tourist. And overall, we preferred Central Asia, mm-hmm. like Turkey, Iran, Central Asia, because of this, because people see you, they are amazed that you arrive to their village by bicycle. Yeah. They want to learn about you. They want to teach you uh, the best of their culture. And in Southeast Asia, some things are nice, but you don't get that much adventure. No, that sense. Um, mm-hmm. And then COVID hit. So we got to wrap up soon, but tell me about, tell me about that. Cause that must've been kind of a, kind of a shock. I mean, the scary thing about COVID was that everyone was going home, you know, for, for everyone, it was just so logical. Like, okay, we have to leave. Like even your, your embassy would write to you and they'd be like, last flight is in a couple of days. And you're like, oh man. The problem is that we didn't have anywhere to go to. I mean, we, yeah. we left everything and we just didn't want to go back to Europe and stay in our parents' house after like two years of freedom. Yeah. So, uh, so one day we sat down and we had like a little meeting and we decided that we weren't going to go anywhere. We we're going to stay there. We thought we were in Thailand. We thought, well, Thailand is actually a pretty good place to get stuck during a pandemic because it's quite modern. Um, they actually have like pretty good infrastructure. We, we, we saw good like health centers, et cetera. And also we got the impression that in Thailand, it was okay in the sense that in, in maybe in Southeast Asia, they're used to, they have, they have had pandemies in the past. So everything was um, a lot less stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, we were getting all of these really stressful images from back home. We were like, wow, it's, it feels like the end of the world. And then in Thailand, it was just like, yeah, just, just, you know, wear your mask and don't hug me and we'll be okay. <laughs> Uh, so we stayed there for, yeah, I mean, it was going to be two weeks and then it became a month and then um, suddenly <laughs> I remember that. the situation, yeah, we, it, it wasn't going anywhere. Nothing was changing. We were really close to the border with Malaysia, but we couldn't cross it. It was impossible. And finally, Europe started opening again. Um, there were some flights, uh, programs and we thought, well, let's just, let's just go back. I mean, at that point, to be fair, we'd been on the road, uh, for nonstop for two years. Yeah. And we hadn't seen most of our friends and families for, for that time. And we really missed stuff like pizza. Cheese. And, <laughs> cheese, <man>, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and our family too. Of yeah. Course. Of course. Of so, course. <laughs> Yeah, so we headed back and, you know, that, so we actually, initially the idea was to go from Helsinki to Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, we never made it to Singapore. We always got, we got really close to it. You got pretty close though. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't matter. We, we really don't care about that. It's, it's okay. Yeah. To tell you the truth, we, we didn't really want to get to Singapore. It's just that the airport is there. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. oh, that's great. And um, now you're on the the second big leg of the journey from uh, you know South America to North America. So I'm really excited to follow uh, the rest of your trip, um, wherever that takes you. And I'm sure our our readers and listeners are as well. So can you tell everybody where they can follow you and where they can uh, you know learn more? Um, about what you guys are doing. So if you want to see more of our adventures and challenges that we overcome, uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and we have our web all under the name 41 Adventure. And I'll put all the links uh, in the notes for the episode. So just to wrap up in the web, there's lots of little sections. And for example, earlier you said something about, you know, anyone being able to do this. And funnily enough, actually during COVID, we actually wrote two very motivational articles, which are actually called anyone can do this. Great. And they're very short, but it's just to just, it's just to say this, that you don't need to be like, a super mega cycling machine in order to like cycle from Helsinki to also to almost Singapore, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just like a lot of like little tips about how to get started and maybe where to go and what you need and just these kind of things. That's great. Yeah. We'll, we'll put a link to that article as well. So awesome. Well, Marco and Arely, it's been wonderful. Thank you for joining. Um, And I'm really excited to to continue to follow and really excited to have you back at some point um, to update us on on your trip. So uh, you're an inspiration to me and to, I imagine, a lot of our listeners as they're done with this episode. So keep it up. um, And thanks again for taking the time. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's always nice to be able to share with other people and uh, hope to see you all somewhere in the future one day. Likewise. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye. hope you enjoyed that conversation with Marco and Arlie from 421 Adventure. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, remember to follow us uh, everywhere uh, at Bicycle Touring Pro. Uh, check out the website, bicycletouringpro.com. And finally, remember to use the code podcast for 10% off uh, the Bicycle Touring Pro store. Uh, until next time, be safe and happy riding.